Well, we're going to continue our series in Colossians next week, Colossians chapter 3. Today, with it being our congregational meeting Sunday, I thought I'd talk a little bit about church. Church, you know, what's it good for? Here's some funny excuses for missing church. There's a peanut uh, comic strip. Lucy asked her brother Linus, are you going to go to Sunday school tomorrow? I guess so. Why? Linus responds. The teacher wanted to know why you weren't there last Sunday. He responds, the zipper on my Bible was broke. How about these other kind of excuses? You know, my my good T-shirt was dirty or I hear people preach on Facebook all week or the stair. The chairs are so comfortable that they make me want to go to sleep. Jesus never went to church. I've I've already skipped to the end of the Bible, so I already know how it ends. If I don't come to church, maybe someone will sit in my seat and they'll get saved, which is awesome, right? The reading material never changes. I was just there last week. We had a death in the family. The goldfish died. The the last time I skipped, no one noticed. And now I'm offended. I can listen to the podcast later. I felt God telling me to go fishing, just like Peter. I work for the government, and you know... Separation of church and state. I watched the Bible miniseries last night. Or here's my favorite. I'm home-churched. Or how about this? One Sunday morning, two men are out in a fishing boat. After several hours on a lake without catching a single fish, one man said to his friend, you know, we probably should have stayed home and gone to church this morning. The other man says, well, I could have stayed home, but I couldn't have gone to church. Why is that, asked his friend. Well, my wife is sick. You have to think about that one a little bit. But Now, there's good reasons to miss church. Of course, there are good reasons to miss church. But today, I want to give you six reasons why attending church regularly is important and valuable for each one of us. We're going to look at what, uh, what makes these few hours that we spend together some of the most precious, some of the best hours Of the whole week. First is the value that the church is a family reunion. Open your Bibles with me to to Mark chapter 3, verses 31 to 35. You see in the bulletin the different points and different um, uh, scriptures there that we'll read. And so we're going to start off today with Mark chapter 3, verses 31 through 35. The scripture says, and his mother and his brothers came and standing outside, they said to him and called to him and a crowd was sitting around him. And they said to him, your mother and your brothers are outside seeking you. And he answered them, who are my mother and my brothers? Looking about at those who sat around him, he said, here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of God, he is my brother and sister and mother. Now, before you get too shocked about what Jesus said about his family, let's understand the situation, right? He wasn't being cold towards his earthly family. He wasn't disrespecting his mother. That would have been wrong. He wasn't doing that at all. He knew what was really going on. He knew the motives behind his family. You see, this is the beginning point of Jesus' ministry. And his family didn't understand what was going on. They didn't understand what Jesus was doing. They were very confused just a few months ago he was a carpenter you know following after his earthly father's heritage 
But now the time had arrived and he had started out on his heavenly father's plan. He knew the purpose for their visit visit was to try to take him home. His brothers didn't believe his claim to, to be the son of God any more than most everyone in the crowd believed. His brothers had even brought their mom along, seeming to kind of use him as leverage. If you look just 10 verses above at, at Mark 3.21, you see that it says, when his family heard it, when they heard that he was doing these miracles, they was casting out demons, that people were following him, they went out to seize him. For they were saying he's out of his mind. His family was confused. Jesus' family was bewildered and dumbfounded. Surely Jesus, my brother, he's not the Messiah. It can't be him. Now later, of course, Jesus' earthly brother James would go on to put his faith in Jesus. Not only that, he would become the leader of the very first church ever. He would write the book of James, which starts off saying, Jesus, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. For see, what Jesus did in that moment, as he often did, was to take the opportunity to teach an important truth. Family just isn't whom you are born. Family is also with whom you've been born again. See, family isn't just with whom you've been born. Family is also with whom you have been born again. Jesus wanted everyone to understand that when you become a believer, you become a part of his family. The Bible says we're adopted into his family, making us his brothers and sisters. Galatians 4, 4 through 7 says, But when the fullness of time had come, Jesus sent forth, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent his spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you're no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, an heir through God. See, we are are our father's children. We are joint heirs with Jesus, adopted by the Spirit through faith. If you'd like to turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 8, verses 14 through 17. Romans 8, 14 through 17 teaches the same truth again with these powerful words. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may be glorified with him. It's a beautiful message, a powerful message about our true family ties. We're brothers and sisters. We're children of the same family. Our father is God. Did you ever think that every time that you come to church, every time we meet together, it's a family reunion? Every time we come together, right? We have crazy uncles, right? We have, we have seniors who like to reminisce about the old days. We have teens who's all... Caught up in the latest technology. We have young couples with their, with their children. 
We have ladies that, that like to get caught up about talking about each other's lives. We have men that, that share their latest adventure and talk about sports. We got kids running around chasing each other, playing. It's a, it's a family reunion. And it should be. Because we're a family. Church is family, brothers and sisters. See, all that's missing for our family reunion is fried chicken and mashed potatoes and some meatloaf foray and, you know, some. <laughs> exactly. And some of Mary's great cakes and all that and desserts. And see, one of the great reasons why church is so awesome. is because church is family, caring, loving, serving, helping, encouraging family. Secondly, church is a classroom. Colossians 3.16 says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thanksgiving in your hearts to God. One of the critical functions, one of the most creative and fun purposes of the church is to teach, to learn God's word. Romans 15.14 says, I myself... I'm satisfied about you, Paul said, for my brothers, for you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge and able to instruct one another. The book of Proverbs so powerfully talks about the importance of godly instruction right from the very beginning. It says the Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, to know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight, to receive instruction in wise dealing and righteousness, justice and equity, to give prudence to the simple knowledge and discretion to the youth. Let the wise hear and increase in learning and the one who understands obtain guidance to understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and their riddles. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. True knowledge, biblical knowledge, begins with a deep reverence and respect, a fear of our God. You see, God's church is designed to be a classroom, a classroom full of instruction and wisdom and knowledge and doctrine. We work hard and with great passion to teach God's word at every level. At every differing season of life, from children to teen to young adult to senior to single to married to male and female, from our Word of Life clubs to Sunday school, from vacation Bible school to Sunday morning sermons, effective, creative, sound teaching is at the very heart of what makes church awesome. It's the mission of God's church. It's the mission of our church to be a place of instruction in the truth of God's word. Learning the Bible, learning God's truth is critically important because as we learn it, we then can apply it to our lives. Learning the Bible doesn't have as its goal mere knowledge. Knowing more is not the same thing as living more. True knowledge will by necessity change our behavior. Biblical truth is applied truth. It's lived out truth in our regular daily lives. That's why we diligently labor in teaching the Bible. Now, Hosea was a prophet of God to the northern kingdom of Israel. He warned them of impending destruction because of their rejection of God. 
Why was their doom sure? Because the truth of God's word was no longer being taught by the priests. Chapter 4, verse 6 says, My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Because you've rejected knowledge, I reject you from being a priest to me. Their lack of knowledge was leading to their destruction. Their priests had abandoned teaching the truth, and the people had not only left God, but they embraced idols. Later in that chapter, in verse 12, it says, My people inquire of a piece of wood, and their walking staffs gives them oracles. See, this truth, this warning can be applied to us today. The lack of true biblical knowledge can lead us all down the road of destruction. Sound teaching of God's word is necessary for all of us to stay true to God. Methods change, and they should. But the message doesn't change, and it shouldn't. I have an important responsibility of teaching you God's truth. And many of you share in that responsibility with me in our church, teaching at all different levels throughout our church. It's a great joy to teach God's word. It's also a serious accountability to teach his word. But we all have the responsibility. We all have the privilege of receiving God's word and living it out. All of us. The lack of knowledge of how to handle explosives could lead you to losing an arm or a leg. But the lack of knowledge about God's word is so much more destructive, costing eternal life. See, church is a classroom teaching us the ways of God. Third, church is a refuge. They're in Hebrews chapter 6, verses 17 through 19. Hebrews 6, 17 through 19. It says, so when God desired to show more convincingly to the heirs of the promise, the unchangeable character of his purpose, he guaranteed it with an oath. So that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope set before us. We have this as assurance and steadfast anchor for our soul, a hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain. This passage teaches us that God is our refuge, that we have a sure and steadfast anchor for our soul, that we have hope, we have an anticipation that we get to enter into the inner inner place behind the curtain. What is that inner place behind the curtain? It's a picture of the Holy Holies and the in the very symbolic presence of God that was in the in the Jewish temple where the high priest was only allowed to go into one day a year on the Day of Atonement. But you see, through Jesus, we have the hope, we have the anticipation. We get to enter directly into God's presence. It's the very anticipation of our lives that we get to go directly to God because of Jesus. Because he tore the curtain of separation between the Holy of Holies and his death and resurrection. But you see, that truth is not just for us alone. But so much more, that truth is something special that God has designed to happen when we come together before him as his church. Verses 18 and 19 say we. These truths aren't so much about the individual, but about us. God is our refuge together. God is our anchor together. God is our hope together. 
anticipation together. According to the dictionary, the word refuge means a source of help, relief, or comfort in times of trouble. See, the church is a place to seek help when you have a need. The church is God's ordained place to find relief from your burdens. The church is an anchor for your souls in these stormy days. The church is a place to find comfort for you when you are hurting. The church is a place to find grace for your sins. The church is a place to find hope in your sorrow. Why? Because the church is a place where Jesus rules. church is a place where Jesus reigns. The church is a place where Jesus is glorified, where Jesus is adored. Jesus is the head of the church. He uses his church to get his will done in our lives. God does the work, but the instrument that he uses to make it happen is you and me together. The church. Churches are refuge because Jesus is the head of the church and he is our refuge. The church is our anchor because the church is the body of Christ and he is our anchor. The church is our hope because Jesus has opened up heaven to us through his death and resurrection. The church is Jesus' designed place for him to do his work. Church is a refuge. The church is a billboard. 2 Corinthians 3, 2 through 3. 2 Corinthians 3, 2 through 3. And it says, You yourselves are our letter of recommendation. Written on our hearts to be known and read by all. For you show that you are a letter from Christ delivered by us, written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God. Not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. Think about this now. You're a letter of recommendation from God. You ever ask for letters of recommendation from people? That's what you are. You're a living recommendation letter from God for the world to read. If you call yourself a Christian, if you're a follower of Christ, you're a walking billboard of the work of Christ. You're also a walking billboard for the church. Every day we influence people's point of view about God as a written recommendation. Every day we influence people's Viewpoint about the church. It's a walking billboard. Your letter written from Jesus to the world. The visual expression of your faith is for everyone to see. And they're watching. Your commitment to church speaks volumes to those who are trying to figure out the importance of church. If we truly believe that the church is God's ordained plan for reaching the world for Christ, if we truly believe that the church is God's ordained place for faith and hope and love to abound, if we truly believe that the church is God's ordained place for worship and instruction, if we truly believe that the church is the body of Christ, then we have to show it with our actions. Is, the, is going to church the thing you have to do on Sunday? Or is going to church the thing you get to do on Sunday. I recently read about a church that had such an eagerness to be together worshiping God that people would come early 
you know, waiting to get the front seats. Now, I know that's not typical. But there's something there, right? There should be an eagerness, an anticipation, an enthusiasm in our souls as we're coming to church that we're going to learn God's word. We're going to live God's word. We're going to be encouraging and loving to God's people. We're going to be worshiping and adorning Jesus Christ. It brings us together as a, as a church. People are reading your life as a letter of recommendation from God and his church. What is your life telling them? Fifthly, church of service. Turn in your Bibles there to Galatians chapter 6, 9 through 10. Galatians 6, 9 through 10. It says, let us not grow weary of doing good. For in due seasons we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone. And especially to those who are of the household of faith. What a great verse. You know that verse could have stopped? It could have stopped after, let us do good to everyone, right? Because everyone includes everyone. It would include all those in the household of faith. But the verse didn't stop there. It says to do good to everyone, but you better especially redouble your efforts to do good to those who are in the household of faith. To those in your church. See, one of the things that makes church so awesome is that we're all on each other's side. We're all in for each other. The greatest cheerleaders in our lives are our church. God has designed the church to function like a body with each part serving and supporting all the other parts. 1 Corinthians 12, 4-7 says, Now there are a variety of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it's the same God who empowers them all and everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. See, God has given us a variety of gifts, a variety of services and activities. But all of that diversity is from the same Spirit. All to give glory to the same Lord. All of that diversity is for the common good of the body of Christ. See, we have all personality types. We have all organizational types. We have extroverts and introverts. We have cup half empty people. We have cup half full people. We have people with skills to work with their hands. We have people with skills to work with people. We have people with skills in administration and management. We have people who are wonderfully creative. And others that would say they don't have a creative bone in their body. We have people from all age groups with incredible diverse backgrounds and experiences. We have people who who can sing so beautifully. And we have people that make a joyful noise to the Lord. Right? Amen. We have servants and leaders. We have hospitality types and go-getters. Folks, we're the body of Christ with a huge variety of God-given skills and gifts and experiences and knowledge. It's one of our great privilege of our lives to use what God has given to us for the common good of our brothers and sisters. See, when you run into a personality that rubs you the wrong way, you know what your response is? Praise God! 
Isn't that awesome? Look at the diversity that God has given to our group. Look at the skills and abilities and the focus that God has given to us as a family. They're important and necessary skills and abilities that they are bringing to us. Praise God. Because God is the creator of variety and diversity. I can prove it to you in one second. Just go outside. Just look around outside. Look at all the variety of flowers. Look at all the varieties of nature. Look at all the variety of animals. Our God loves diversity and beauty and differences. And the church specifically says that that is an expression. The church is an expression of God's variety. If everyone was the same, just think of what would be lost. The church is not a monochromatic, vanilla, uniform place where everyone's a clone of each other. No, in church we celebrate the diversity. We rejoice in variety. Because that is specifically what God wants in this church. That is specifically what the Bible says God is doing in his church. 1 Peter 4, 8-11 through says, Above all, above all, above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. As each received a gift... Use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God. Whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies. In order that in everything, God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. You see, the varied grace, the diverse gifts are given to us. Not only for our common good, but as we express the very grace of God, brother and sister, to each other. You know what we're doing? We're in everything giving God the glory through Jesus Christ. When a church in its diversity is serving one another, God is glorified. He loves it. Listen to this quote from a book called Volunteer um, Revolution. Says some years ago, a new staff member of our church asked me how I had the gall to ask people who are already busy at work or at home to get involved as volunteers at church. I mean, don't you feel a little guilty about this? He asked, isn't it hard to see, heap such a burden on people? He had a point, but I knew a bigger point. During the next few months, you're going to meet people who stand at drill presses 10 hours a day, five or six days a week. When they go home at night, Few of them sense the pleasure and meaning and purpose of the life they've heard advertised in commercials. They're godly, conscientious people. They're very thankful for their jobs, but they don't find satisfaction for their souls at the drill press. And you're going to meet fine, hardworking people in real estate who show 30 homes a week. If they're lucky, one buyer will make an offer. But if they're not lucky every week, Many are extroverts who love showing property and helping people find the right home. But even then, they probably don't arrive home at night filled with a deeper inner joy because of their latest showing. You're going to meet insurance salespeople who have been selling policies for 20 years while they're very grateful that the insurance business has put food on their table and sends their kids to college. The thought of selling one more policy doesn't float their emotional boat. 
You're going to meet car dealers and stockbrokers and bricklayers and police officers and plumbers who, despite their commitment to their careers and jobs, are honest enough to admit that their secular vocation does not offer enough meaning to satisfy the deeper needs that stir in their souls. Some of them love their jobs. They're very stimulated and energized by their work. Some of them even leave their workplace each day knowing that they've honored God by their work and for their love for people. But few of them would say, this is what life is all about. I looked directly into the eyes of my young friend. Said, you and I get to invite these people to be used by God in ways they never imagined. You have the opportunity We have the opportunity to empower them to develop gifts they didn't even know they had. We can cheer them on as they courageously assume new levels of kingdom responsibility that fill their hearts to overflowing. And we get to see the look on their faces when they realize God has used them to touch another human being. No, I said, I never really feel guilty inviting people become volunteers in God's church. Beloved, this is one of the most awesome things about church. It's one of the most awesome things about our lives. 24-7, God wants to use us. God wants to use you to touch the hearts and lives of other people. How awesome is that? God wants to use you to change people's eternal destiny. You! That's who he wants. God wants to, to use us to love people and to encourage people and to spur them on and to encourage them. Through you, God wants to, to help other people. How awesome is that? Church is service. Lastly, church is celebration. We're a culture that likes to celebrate. We celebrate sports, we celebrate graduations, birthday parties, job performances, on and on and on. At the heart of the church, at the center of our gathering is a celebration. Week after week, we come together to celebrate. What do we come together to celebrate? That's really not the right question, right? The right question would be, say, who do we come together to celebrate? See, we gather together Sunday after Sunday, to celebrate Jesus. From our teaching to our praise singing, from our preaching to our prayers, from encouraging one another, bearing one another's burdens, it's all about Jesus. See, we here have the, get to honor and worship Him. We are here to lift up His name and His character. We are to learn about Him. We are to conform our lives to His example We're to spur one another on and finding hope and purpose and a refuge in God. One last place to turn, Romans 5, 18 to 21. Romans 5, 18 to 21. says, therefore, as one trespass led to the condemnation of all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. For by... The one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners. So by the one man's obedience, the many will be made righteous. Now the law came to increase the trespass. But where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. So that as sin reigned in death, 
grace might also reign through righteousness leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. We are here to celebrate Jesus and all that he has done. All that he did for you and all that he's done for me. Through his love, he came to earth, lived a sinless life, died on the cross for our sins. Where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. Where sin reigned in death, grace reigns in eternal life through Jesus Christ. We gather together to celebrate Jesus. Through Jesus, we have a right standing with God. Through his sacrifice, we are considered righteous. We have God's grace. Adam's one act brought spiritual death. Jesus' one act brought us new life. Adam's one act caused us to be sinners. Jesus' one act caused us to be saints. Sin ruled. Grace now rules. Is there anything better to celebrate? It is awesome. We have a new eternal life. We have grace, grace more than enough to cover our sins. 1 Peter 2, 9-10 through 10 says, But your chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people of his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you're God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you've received mercy. We gather together this morning to proclaim the excellencies of Jesus who has called us out of darkness and into his marvelous light, we, who were once not a people, are now God's people, part of his family. We, who were once without mercy, standing in our sin, condemned, are now people who have received mercy and love and salvation and hope. We've gathered together this morning to worship the Savior of our souls. There's nothing more awesome than that. So what's church for? Church is our real family. Every Sunday is a family reunion. Church is a classroom where we learn about God from his holy and errant word. Church is a refuge. It's a place of hope and healing and grace and forgiveness and second chances. Church is a billboard where God's letter of recommendation showing the world around us what Jesus has done. The value of his body, the church. Church is service, doing good and being used of God to serve the household of faith to the glory of Jesus Christ. Church is a celebration. Celebration of our Jesus. Who he is and all that he has done. What is church good for? Everything. Perhaps today is your day to reconnect, to recommit to God's great plan for every follower of Christ. Church. Let's pray together. Father, on this day, from your word, as we worship Jesus from our hearts, from our thoughts, as we lift him high, as we lift the word, it's an errant, powerful spirit truth to us. Lord, we we come to you thankful that you designed this thing. This is your plan, the church. This is your son's body. This is our privilege to glorify him. And we pray as a church that we would recommit to you. That we'd recommit to each other. 
we would reconnect to the value of your plan. We would lift high as a billboard, Jesus Christ, for all to see. Lord, we thank you that this morning we are in the midst of your will, experiencing your plan, the church. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.